0: As I said last week, we're preparing a couple of presents this month, a couple of gifts this month. Gift number one is a gift of prayer. We're going to be praying. I mentioned to you last week to begin asking the Lord, who's your one? Who's the person that you want to spend the month of January every day in prayer for. We're going to provide you with, uh, with specific kinds of prayers, with scriptures, with encouraging words that are going to help you as you pray, but you want to spend the month of January all of us zeroing in on that person the Lord puts on our hearts to pray for every day throughout the month of January and to pray that we would have an opportunity to share the gospel with that person, to be able to share his love with that individual. So we want you to be praying about that. Lord, who is that person you want me to zero in on? Who is the person you want me to be praying for? Because beginning in January, as a whole church, we're going to begin praying together day by day for these many different individuals and asking God To bring them into his kingdom now the other thing that we're doing or the other gift that we're preparing is equipping you with a way in which to share that gospel with another person now those of you that have been around for a while you'll remember the two ways to live demonstration and some of you I know some of you have shared two ways to live with other people and uh, I know I've had some reports of people that have come to Christ because of you sharing the two ways to live model with them. Now, we're teaching you this year a new model. We're putting something new in your arsenal, so to speak, in terms of, of uh, how you can share the gospel effectively. Because the truth of the matter is, is that the gospel is widely shared ineffectively in so many places. Um, when we approach sharing the gospel with others, a lot of us will fall back into the mode of what we call my testimony, and we'll share my testimony with somebody else, and how my, what my life was like, and how Christ came and changed my life, and He changed my life, and He can change your life too. If you want Him to, He'll change your life too which is it, we well we thank God he changed your life and we agree he can change other people's lives but they have to hear actually the gospel in order to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ because a person could say well yeah yeah I want my life to change too well then all good all you got to do is pray this prayer and your life will change you have not helped that person to really enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've helped that person to think in terms of making a transaction with God. I'm going to do this and God's going to help me. Right? We've entered into a a transaction. A quid pro quo. I'm going to give something to you, God, and you're going to give something to me. You're going to make my life better and make my life wonderful and all all the rest of that. And that is not sharing the gospel with other people. Our testimonies are important. They're certainly important to us. And they can be important to other people as well. They can be helpful in terms of letting someone see the impact that Christ has had on someone's life. But in order to share the gospel with people, you have to share the actual gospel. The truths of the gospel, that God is a good and loving God who created an original design for our lives that was for our good, that we've rebelled against that good God. We have sinned against Him. And because of that, because we've rejected living under His design, we are experiencing separation from God. We are separated from God by our sin. And nothing that we can do is going to change that fact. There's not one thing you can do to remove your sin from yourself. You could say, well, I, I, I'll start going to church. Well, that's fine, but all that makes you is a religious sinner and you could say well I'm going to get I'll get baptized well that's nice but that just makes you a wet sinner and you can say well I'm going to start doing a lot of more good works and that will just make you a better sinner than others all right but nothing changes the status of our being sinners before God other than what God has done for us in Christ Jesus seeing that and recognizing that and surrendering to that. And so we have to be willing to admit, yes, we have turned away from God. We have rejected His design for our lives. And that's resulted in our brokenness. And we've all tried many different ways to get out of our brokenness. Many different ways, some good, some bad. We're looking for a solution to our brokenness. But there really is only one solution. The one solution is the good news, the gospel of Jesus, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Christ died for our sins and was resurrected for our justification. This is the simple and clear reality of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. Whose sins? My sins. Christ died for my sin. For my rejection of His ways. For my disobedience. For my rebellion. Christ died for my sin. He was raised again in proof of who He is and that He could do what He said He could do, which was forgive sins. He was raised so that I could be justified before God. I could be before God just as if I'd never sinned. He was raised for my justification. Now, when we see that good news, the Bible tells us that what we're to do is to repent, that we're to turn. The Bible word for repent simply means to turn around, to change one's mind, to quit going in the direction that you have thought was a good direction. And everybody has one, right? The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man. I, this is the best thing I know to do. This is what I think I should do. The Bible says no. You've got to turn away from your ideas. Turn away from your solutions. Turn away from trying to do things on your own. Repent. That means to turn toward Christ. Repent and receive what Christ has has done for you. Receive what Christ has done for you. Receive the good news of the gospel. And when we receive that good news, when we ask Christ to take our lives, when we ask Him to take our sins and in place of our sins, give us His righteousness, His justification, then we begin to experience immediately a spiritual wholeness. And we begin on a journey of living into and receiving every good thing that God wants to do in our lives for His glory. And so we can begin to recover and to pursue God's design for our lives. The word gospel is a really ancient Word. It's a word that uh, thousands of years ago meant, the, it was the thing that a person would do who was a herald. If, the, if a nation was at battle, if the kings or the armies had gone off to battle, they would go off to war, and then the, um, uh, they, would, they would await news. And, and a herald would come running back And the herald would come running back into the town, and he would go into the town square, and he would begin to announce that the battle had been won. Victory is ours. Good news, everybody our armies have been victorious, and we have won. And the word for that was gospel, it was gospeling. It was telling good news to others. The Bible has used that word gospel to, to, um, to spell out for us this idea of declaring good news. The Bible says that Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom. Paul said in Romans, we read it today, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So we have a message of good news. And that message is that our warfare is over. That Christ has won the battle. That death has been defeated. That sin has been overcome. That we no longer have to be separated from God. We can be united with Him and brought back into relationship with him that's the good news that we have to share with other people the first circle in three circle evangelism is a circle that simply says god's design and i think it's important when we are communicating with the world around us we often We'll speak of what is wrong. We'll often speak of how bad things are. We'll speak about how horrible some behavior is. or you know, we'll, we'll, start, we'll, we'll start moralizing as opposed to setting up an opportunity for people to hear the gospel. I think it's important that when we share the gospel that we're able to emphasize this starting point. I saw one gospel presentation that uh, is called The Best News. And it's a, it's a nice little presentation, but it starts off this way. The bad news. The bad news is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Worse news. Worst news is that the wages of sin is death, and that's all you have to look forward to is eternal death and separation from God. Good news You can, Jesus came, the best news: you can be redeemed. I I understand the transition. What I like about three circles, just like I like about two ways to live, is it doesn't start with you, it starts with God. It starts with who we know Him to be. And we know Him to be a good God. We know Him to be good. We know in Genesis that when He created this world and created it for man to live in, that over and over again through Genesis, it says He created this and He saw that it was what? Good. And at the end of the creation period, after the day that He rests, it says God looked around at all that He had created and behold, it was very good. It was very good. God did not create a world of evil. This is one of the arguments that people will have. Well, if God's such a good God, an all-powerful God, why are, there, why, is there so much, uh, why are there so many terrible things that are happening in the world? And it's important that we're able to say to people, that's not how God created the world. That was not God's design for this world. Everything around you that you see that brings darkness and hatred and sadness, and sorrow, and pain, and despair, and brokenness, that's all a result of our having rebelled against God's design. Because God's design was for our good, and everything in life was meant to be something delightfully good for us. The creation itself And the creativity that we would be bringing forth in our lives. Our relationships with others, our spouses, our relationship with children, with extended family. Our relationships with learning and governing and creating and commerce and all the things that we see in this world that are in so many ways used for brokenness. But that's not what God intended. And listen, folks, we have to believe that God's intention was good. Because I think it's possible for us to drift into that line of thinking. That line of thinking that says, why, God? Why? Why are you letting this happen? Why are you letting this go on? Because my secular friends around me, they make a point. If you are good, and if you are all-powerful, if you're all-loving and good and all-powerful, then God explain to me why you let some things go on that you do is either you're loving and impotent or you are omnipotent and you hate everybody. Because why would you let us live in a world like this if you're really all loving and all good? And listen, folks, this is an arena where you can get into long philosophical discussions and, and uh, biblical discussions and all kinds of apologetic discussions over the reasons why there's evil in the world and why God allows this and God allows that. But this is where we always have to come back. We have to come back to this fact that God did not create an evil world. He did not create a broken world. He created a lovely, perfectly good world. A world that was designed for us to experience the wonders of His goodness and to display the glory of His name. God created the world in such a way that we would be able to enjoy the goodness of God the goodness of God, and all the while giving glory to His name. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In Psalm 100, and verse 5, the psalmist says to us, For the Lord is good, and His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Well, one of my favorite passages is when Paul was writing to Timothy and and in the early church at the time uh, that these letters were written, there was different groups, primarily the, the Gnostic type groups, who differentiated between spirit and body. And so whatever was of spirit was good, and whatever was of the body or physical was evil. Evil was intrinsic to everything related to the body, and good was intrinsic to everything that was spiritual. And so they would put regulations upon people. Don't, don't eat this, don't eat that. Uh, they would encourage not, not to engage in a sexual relations or they would comment about how that was to go to a place that was more evil than it was holy for them it was a necessary evil in terms of propagation but it was a necessary evil it was something that was not good and so they would they would put all of these qualifications on people and would talk about all the ways in which they could not enjoy the world around them that they had to focus primarily on spiritual issues and Paul writing to Timothy at one point he said this he said as for the rich in the present age charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches but instead They should put their hope in God, and here's this line, just love, who gives us all things richly to enjoy. God gives us all things richly to enjoy. See, storytelling was God's idea. Music was God's idea. Art was God's idea. The, the, the beauty in creation its all God's idea. Loving, joyful relationships, happy relationships, that was God's idea. Beautiful, loving, sexual union between husbands and wives, that was God's idea. Uh, uh, children growing up, and, and becoming strong and, and becoming knowledgeable and learning and, and advancing in body, soul, and spirit. That was God's idea. Government that was fair and good and ruled with wisdom. That was God's idea. Business and commerce and men creating and making this all, all God's idea. Good food is God's idea. Wine was God's idea. So many beautiful, wonderful, lovely things. God's idea. God gives us all things richly to enjoy. We don't separate out the spirit from the body. We don't separate the spiritual from the natural. We embrace all of it, rejoicing in the goodness of our God. So, we have to believe, we have to believe that God is good, that He means good for us, that He created this world to be something good and lovely and holy and perfect. Do you believe that God is good? Are you really committed to the idea, sold out to the idea that God is in fact good? God is not engineering the world's pain and agony for some grotesque sense of self-satisfaction. That is not our God. Our God is good, and He created this world to be good, to be a wonderful and loving place. And so, anytime someone could say to me, well, what about all the poverty? What about all the starvation? Why can't God just do something about that? I would say, well, God has done something about that. He has done something about it. You see, the only reason we're in this situation is because we rejected God. And God could have just said, forget it. But God has done something about it. He has sent His Son into this world to give people a chance to restore their relationship with Him. And here's what God promises, that for those who know Him and love Him, He promises that a day will come when He will make everything that is wrong right again when He will restore all things. When this world will look the way that it did when He first created it. That it will be beautiful beyond imagination. That we won't contend with sin. We won't contend with sickness and disease. We won't contend with hatred, bigotry, and anger. We won't contend with any of that. God has done something about this situation. But God... Is allowing us to experience what we've chosen in this world what we've chosen is to say we can run the world better God than you can run the world and this is what we get and this is what we have some good things oh certainly some glimpses of glory and wonder and beauty absolutely and yet entwined in all of it, such heartache, such pain, such brokenness, such a pale, pale, pale reflection of what beauty and goodness and glory was meant to look like. If you walk with Jesus, if you follow Him, then that day will come when He'll make all things new and all things will be restored. But until then, we're living with the fallout from our decisions. And so I urge you, turn back to this God who is good. Turn back to this God who has done something about it and who will do something about it. And in the meantime, he's waiting for people like you and me to say yes to him and to accept his offer. Do we believe that he's good? Do you believe that he's good?